Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. And that may have sounded a little strange, but that was some output from the VOICE technology, which we're going to talk about in this show. And the first one you heard was a line going up from left to right at a 45 degree angle. The second one was an X, which combines a line going up at a 45 degree angle from left to right and a line going down at a 45 degree angle from left to right. And the third one was a triangle. And if you'd like to hear those again, here we'll repeat the line going up from left to right at a 45 degree angle, an X, and then finally a triangle. We'll be talking with Pranav Lal about the voice system that he has been working with that enables the blind to see the environment around them using sound. We'll talk with him about that as well as his career as a cybersecurity consultant. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Pranav Lal and describes a more advanced feature of the voice technology. If you drop a yellow submarine on the floor, what you can do with the voice is switch on, set the color filter to yellow, and pan your phone around. You'll detect it. I like that. Oh, that's interesting. So in addition to being able to find objects, if you know what color it is, you can give it a hint of what to look for. Not only a hint, you do much more. What you do is you block out everything else and you only look for objects of that color. So if you can find, you know, if you know that and uh, you pan your camera, you can detect only that particular object. Well, if I ever drop a yellow submarine on the floor, I know who to turn to. Thank you. You're welcome. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Pranav. Pranav, you've been with us before on Eyes on Success, but for people who may not have heard you last time, can you tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself? I am Pranav Lal. I work in the area of cybersecurity. The last time you interviewed me about the voice, which is a piece of software which converts live camera images to sounds, and the last time you spoke to me, I was a bachelor, which is no longer the case. I got married. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. You are totally blind, is that right? Yes, I am. And your primary field these days is computer programming. No, my field isn't computer programming. I do computer programming as a hobby. Sometimes that stretches over to work because since I'm current in the field, I can talk to developers in their own language when we do training. But my field is more management, project management in the cybersecurity space. Got it. 
Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Pranav's somewhat related interests in cybersecurity and the voice system of converting images to sound. In the introduction, you told us that you work in cybersecurity. Can you tell us what exactly you're doing? Essentially, what I do is protect information assets. So whether it's data at rest, data in motion, so whether it's a network, whether it is uh, you've got some sensitive strategy documents, etc. My job is to ensure that I do my best to make sure they don't get to people they shouldn't be with. What I currently do is I'm a consultant, which means uh, whatever is the client requirement, a lot of my focus is on project management and application security. So I advise clients on how to do these things. This is a very complex field. How did you get into the field of cybersecurity? I was working in an education company and on the side, you know, working with blindness organizations as a volunteer. And we had a lot of fun at that point of time. And while I was working, I learned whatever I did on the job uh, along the way because I was in consulting. I did a professional certification called the CISSP, a Certified Information Security Professional or Security Systems Professional uh, from a company called IS Squared. The domain is isc2.org. And I've been doing consulting for a while. So you consult for various companies, not just one company? No, various companies. Well, that sounds like fun. As a blind person, you learned programming and computers all on your own, right? Yeah. How did that happen? My civil engineer father realized that computers are a way to go. And since I was in third grade, he was very actively looking at how to get me a talking computer. We went all over the place. He exported himself to the Middle East because Middle East economies uh, allowed the import of technology. We're talking about the early 80s. The Indian economy was really closed and it was almost impossible for a, an ordinary middle-class person to import technology. Oh, interesting. huh? So what happened was we went to the Middle East. He corresponded with the RNIB, uh, the American Printing House for the Blind. The RNIB is in the United Kingdom. Absolutely, it is. So what was the first computer that you used that he managed to get for you? He got me a 386 running uh, Microsoft DOS, MS-DOS version 5.2. The hard disk was 120 MB. It had two floppy drives, a 5.25 inch and a 3.5 inch. Hard to believe. And what were you using as a screen reader? Hal from Dolphin. And you currently use Windows then? Or are you using a Linux system? 
all of them. I use Windows as my primary computing. I have got two Linux boxes sitting right here. One's a Raspberry Pi, three Raspberry Pis, uh, one dedicated Linux desktop. That's for my machine learning and other work. So I, I've used everything. The only system I haven't worked on is a Mac. <laughs> so you're very comfortable with computers and programming. Yes. And you actually use that programming to help you with some of your hobbies. I did. You know, what happened after he got me that machine was um, I saw all these movies where people hacked into things and I started programming myself. And I'll always be grateful to Borland and Turbo Pascal. I don't know who wrote the documentation for Turbo Pascal version 6. Whoever it is, I'm grateful to you, and you did a fantastic job. Those example programs and documentation talking programming. And I use my programming uh, as a hobby, yes. And I also used it professionally to switch roles. So a few years ago, we talked to you about your project to help you see by sound. Can you tell people what that is? Remind us about that project, and then we can talk about how it's matured since. Oh uh, yeah, the project. Interestingly enough, the software is called the Voice. It's made by a Dutch physicist, Dr. Peter B. L. Meyer. Uh, what it does is it converts live camera views to a defined set of sounds. So the way it works is you're wearing a pair of headphones and you can have any kind of computing device today, whether it's your phone, whether it's a computer, whether it's a pair of smart glasses, doesn't matter. And uh, if you point the camera at an object, the panning of the sound tells you where it is in the horizontal plane. The pitch of the sound tells you the relative height of the object in the frame. And the volume of the sound tells you how bright something is. So the louder the sound, the better the object. This is not the whole story of the software. Because what it does is when you hear these sounds, uh, all these sounds are being converted to electrical impulses in your brain. Now, these impulses are the same impulses as you get from the eyes. And... That's where uh, you engage something called neuron plasticity because the brain doesn't care from where it's getting the visual input. So it says, hey, um, visual input. Okay, let me use the neurons that I have dedicated for this function. Yes, your brain is very adaptable and morphable to be used in different ways depending on the input. Oh, Absolutely. So that's the theory, how quickly it adapts. And because we had dedicated neurons for vision, uh, the idea is you'll start seeing. And they have done some studies with fMRI scans which show blood flow. But what they're saying is that is not conclusive evidence that you're seeing. So anyhow, I have the software. Now, it's important for you to know how the photography began because... When I started to see, I didn't know what I was looking at. It still took me time to interpret. Now, how do I share something 
Right. It's not easy for someone to just take this voice system, start listening to sounds and perceive structural elements in their environment. It really takes a fair amount of training. But not so much. Uh, we have had research studies now, which people pick this up in 72 hours or less. Wow. So it's not that bad. When we talked to you last about four or five years ago about voice, you sent us some audio clips of representations of very simple shapes, you know, a triangle, a circle. And even without any training, it was pretty easy to see, well, to internalize what those shapes were like based on the sound. But you've been taking photographs of the natural world, and that's a whole lot more complex. Do you really feel like you're able to identify what's in the pictures that you're taking? You bring up a very interesting point. When I'm taking the pictures themselves, or I'm choosing what to photograph, I don't need to know what it is. Can I identify? Yes, I've become better than what I was five years ago in terms of identifying what I'm looking at, what are the objects. But when I'm taking a picture, it doesn't matter. I see an interesting shape, I take it. When identification does matter is when I have to label the image. That's when it matters, but not when I'm taking the picture. So do you label them by yourself or do you get sighted assistance? I get sighted assistance. Once I've taken, my work is done. I don't do any editing, nothing. I get sighted assistance to label those images and I upload them. For me, what I however also do is because I remember what I have context around those images. And I broadly know what I'm clicking. I mean, you know, if it's a tree or a wall or a man-made structure or a bus or landscape, I know what I've done roughly. So because of that, uh, I put text around most of the images so that there is a description. And my blog is a bit like a database, even though I say so myself, of complex scenes with descriptions. Now, many sighted people take photos for a variety of reasons, some to sell them as art, Many people just to take pictures to save old memories so they can look at them and say, boy, that was a fun time back 10 years ago with the kids. What do you get out of taking pictures as a totally blind person? What I get is, for one thing, the voice gives me much more information about a place. So because I'm so actively participating in the tourist and travel experience, I love that extra bit of information. So for example, if I'm driving down a street, I can't tell you that the buildings are drab or how they look or is the facade different. I can tell you what I'm passing by with GPS, assuming GPS works in that location, but I will still not know what things look like. So this does give you a more complete sense of the environment around you and the places you've passed through. Yes, it gives me a very complete sense. And I guess in some sense, you look back through those pictures using your voice technology to bring back these memories just as sighted people do with their photos. I don't. You don't? 
I don't look back through those images at all. Once they're up on my blog, it's gone. End of story. The only time I look back is when uh, someone from the media calls me and says, okay, can you share five images? Like, uh, five, five images? Okay. Uh, what do you want? Oh, anything. Uh, what are your favorite photographs? I don't have any favorite photographs, but okay, let me search. That's when I look back through those images <laughs> to see okay, what I've got. Yeah. As we said, we talked to you several years ago about this voice technology, and some of these technologies have advanced quite a bit in the past few years. What major changes, if any, have happened to the voice project? Quite a lot. We have had some new uh, sound renderings, so objects have become much clearer, and you have more movement and panning of the soundscapes. Uh, there's been a huge boost in the number of platforms it runs on. So now you have the voice, you have a native Android app. You always had a Windows program. You have a progressive web application, which also runs on Linux or the Mac. Uh, you can, of course, run that on Windows also if you want. And it runs on smart glasses, like the Vuzix, for example, VUZIX. And you talked about programming. So before the progressive web app came on the scene, I was the one who initiated uh, compiling the voice and building it for Linux. So one aspect of this voice technology that I think is so clever is the way it's spelled. Can you talk about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a small V, capital O, capital I, capital C, and small E. The idea is um, O-I-C. Oh, I see. I mean, it's just so cute, right? And English isn't even his first language. No, it isn't. Last time we talked with you, you actually used this to wander around, navigate places. Do you still? Yes, I use it. I still use it to wander and navigate and try to dodge humans. But that's a little bit difficult even now. But luckily, humans are fairly noisy. <laughs> that helps. I still use it in the supermarket. And... One of the places where I really use it these days is when taking selfies. So my wife is heavily into taking selfies. So orienting my head is much easier if I can see this flat structure in her hand, which is her mobile phone. Uh, so that makes life very easy. So you know where to look and make sure you're in the center of the picture. Yeah, something along those lines. Oh, that's great. What would be some other examples of things you can do using voice? If you drop a yellow submarine on the floor, what you can do with the voice is switch on, set the color filter to yellow, and pan your phone around, and you'll detect it. I like that. Oh, that's interesting. So in addition to to being able to find objects, if you know what color it is, you can give it a hint of what to look for. 
not only a hint, you do much more. What you do is you block out everything else and you only look for objects of that color. So if you know that and uh, you pan your camera, you can detect only that particular object. Well, if I ever drop a yellow submarine on the floor, I know who to turn to. Thank you. You're welcome. So is there anything we missed that you wanted to talk about? or You know, I do want to talk about something uh, when it comes to careers, which is two or three things. I have become over the years really fascinated by entrepreneurship. And I really think blind people have to be looking more at entrepreneurship as opposed to finding jobs. It's not for everyone, I realize that, but I really wish somewhere in education, you would be told that, okay, a job isn't everything and you can start your own. I'm not saying go out and become a cybersecurity consultant because consulting does involve a lot of networking, which is why, uh, and I'm talking about people. Uh, so right now it's a little bit different because yeah, everyone's online, but once we go back offline, think about it before you get into marketing. That's one thing. And you've got to look, when you're looking at blind people and working, I don't know how it is in the USA, but a lot of people here look at hard skills. You're not looking at blind managers. And ironically, uh, blind people, I think, can make very good managers. Because, you know, the problem is the work they have to do below them is difficult. Somebody tells you, okay, you have to search a legal database. Well, a legal database is not accessible. So you're stuck. Right. So it's easier to manage some of those activities than to actually do them. Yes. It's easier to manage. And you really have to start looking at moving up the value chain. I'm not saying, you know, the technology is not valid or anything of that sort. Yeah, it is. But do look at management for blind people as opposed to just looking at hard skills. In other words, open up your horizons as to what is possible and investigate some different areas that you might not have thought of. Absolutely. Well, and look higher because some of the lowest level jobs, like stocking shelves in a grocery store or driving a truck, are not appropriate for a blind person necessarily, but you could run the company. Yes, you could run a company. Accessibly enough, you could run a company, but you cannot stock shelves all that easily. It's a difficult life skill. And I'm hoping truck driving is going to become a thing of the past at some point of time. <laughs> the trucks will be driving themselves. <laughs> yep, that, that's the whole idea. Your concept of being more entrepreneurial, I thought, is very apt for today's times not only for blind people, although it's probably especially important for blind people, but, you know, this is happening in general. If you look at what's called the gig economy, where people have to be flexible, take on tasks themselves, and, you know, they really have to become more entrepreneurial just in general, the way the economy is working. Yeah, and in fact, uh, you have to look at, there's a little bit of difference between a gig and a business. The difference being, see, a gig, yeah, you're rendering a service. You're probably stuck to one or a couple of, or maybe two platforms. But your own business, 
what you have to do is try to create products out of your skills and try and make money while you're sleeping. <laughs> That's the holy grail. They call it passive income. That's the holy grail of business these days. And though I haven't got there, I think blind people can get there. It certainly is possible, whether you can see or not, to have that kind of inner vision to open up new opportunities. Sure. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the voice system and how to contact Pranav Lal directly. If people want to find out more about the voice project, where would you send them? Seeingwithsound.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-S-O-U-N-D.com. And I guess people can find instructions there for putting together their own system based on these various platforms you talked about? Yes and no. So the instructions for final platform like smart glasses are there but if you want the hacky stuff then you come to my blog which is techesoterica.com can you spell that yes <laughs> t-e-c-h e-s-o t-e-r-i-c-a dot c-o-m and what other kinds of things will people find at techesoterica.com they will find stuff on accessibility, GPS, and any other bits of technology I have, I'm playing with. And if people had questions for you, how would they be able to contact you directly? Tech Esoterica has a contact form. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter, Pranavlal. Um, otherwise, email, pranavlal at gmail.com. Can you spell that? Yeah, P-R-A-N-A-V dot L-A-L at gmail.com. And if you're looking for any of that contact information, it will be in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. Pranav also talked about blind people being their own entrepreneurs and if you're interested in learning more about that, we did a previous episode of Eyes on Success with Colleen Wunderlich of the Hadley Institute. And they actually offer courses for learning how to become an entrepreneur. So we'll have a link to that episode also in the show notes if you're interested. And their courses are all done remotely, whether or not there's a pandemic going on. So no matter where you are, you can sign up for their courses. That's it for show number 2111. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about steering the course to a career in science. We first interviewed Rebecca Alford in 2011 when she was a high school student. And despite her visual impairment, she went on to win the Intel Science Competition, and we've been following her progress ever since. Now, with a recently granted PhD in chemical and biomechanical engineering, having started her first job as a research scientist, she will share her experiences with us. 
it's been a lot of fun to follow her and become friends with her through the years from being a high school student to getting her PhD and her first job. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that, tune in next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.